Hi, Rabbi Schaefer here, and I'm very excited to tell you about the new Schmooze book, The Ten Really Dumb Mistakes That Very Smart Couples Make. Over the past 15 years or so, I've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of couples, and I can't tell you the amount of times I look and say, why are you doing this? Do you understand what the relationship needs? Do you understand what your spouse is thinking? I put together this book to detail some of the really dumb mistakes that very smart couples make, and the book has been extremely well received. We sent out about a thousand pre-publication copies to Chassan and college teachers, to marriage therapists, and the reviews have been really, really very heartening. If you'd like to get a copy, it's available on Amazon, it's available in your local bookstores, it's also available on theschmooze.com. If you purchase it on theschmooze.com, in addition to the hardcover book, you'll also get the audiobook as well as the ebook as a free bonus. If you'd like to do that, please go to theschmooze.com, T-H-E-S-H-M-U-Z.com. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll greatly benefit from it. Thank you. Okay, so this year is also, this is Ilu Nishma Shinanecha Bas Shalom, my mother. Every year I try to say a Yardzai Shir. Um, usually it's the uh, it's the best year of the year. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this one's going to live up. The death schmooze, number 23, I said on her yard site. Um, I don't say it again. We've said once. Um, the various reasons I don't say it again, but that was uh, said then. There's another one also, another amazing one I said on her yard site. I've got one of the famous ones. Anyway, so it's Ili Nishmas Shinanecha Bashalom and Fuwash Lehmet Sarabashaya. Okay, so let's quickly recap and then we'll get to tonight's uh, night session. So, again, Hashem is the native. Hashem is the ultimate giver, benefactor. Hashem wants to share of his good with others. Therefore, Hashem created us and Hashem put us in this world for one purpose to earn our world to come, to be challenged, to grow, to become what we're going to be for eternity. Now, Viktor Frankl is a, was a Viennese uh, psychiatrist. Viktor Frankl was a um, world famous. Uh, Viktor Frankl learned that he was Jewish when he was put on the trains to Auschwitz. And he wrote a book after the war called Man in Search of Meaning. It's a fascinating read on two, two sides of it. One is just his account of what it was like in the concentration camps. And he, he really tried to be dispassionate. He tried to sit back and sort of play psychiatric evaluation of, of what was going on. The second part was his description of what it was like for him when he landed uh, back on these shores after the war. In any case, there's one quote in that book that I want to focus on because it is so brilliant. Between stimulus and response, there is a space, meaning basically what he was looking at was people, I don't have to tell you that Auschwitz was Gehenna, but people in their worst moment in life. And when he saw that some people rose to become like tzaddikim, you couldn't, like saints, and many people didn't. And his observation was that there's a stimulus and response. And there's a very small space between the two. And these are his words. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. But that's the point. All of our nishonas achayim, there's a stimulus there's a response, there's a lag time between. From the stimulus to the response, what I choose to do is exactly who I am for eternity. All of my decisions shape me, mold me into what I'm going to be. Now, to allow for a man to shape himself into what he'll be, Hashem gave us this strange capacity called free will. Now, free will is a very dangerous situation because free will means you could go this way, you could go that way, but it has to be free will. Hashem is a shofet mishpat, Hashem is just, Hashem is absolutely fair, and Hashem felt that it has to be just as simple to go this way, just as simple to go that way, and he put us in this world to do just that, to choose to determine who will be for eternity. Now, we discussed last week some of the layers of complication in those choices. You see, let's really begin again with the following observation. How do you take a brilliant neshama that understands the consequences, realizes that who I am, I'm shaping myself into, and give him free will? I don't drink bleach. I don't put my hand in fire. I don't do stupid things because it's self-inflicted damage. Now, how do you take a brilliant neshama that has the potential to be greater malach and give him free will to basically destroy himself or rise up? So to do that, Hashem created a number of layers 
to make it much more difficult to choose and to really make it an even playing field. So the first layer we discussed was what we call the Nefesh Bahami. That means quite simply, I was put into this body, this body has drives, instincts, desires, this body has natural pulls and inclinations, and many, many times I'm going to be pulled, and I have a choice. I either listen or not. I either control it or not. The ultimate goal when it comes to the Nefesh Bahami is to harness that animal soul, to use it properly. That means to say every pleasure that Hashem created is a tool to be used. Every appetite is something that is used, it's something that should be properly harnessed. <clears throat> if a human being properly harnesses all of his animal soul, he elevates himself, he becomes much more holy, much more Kaddish. But that's, let's call that layer one of the, um, of the life setting that makes it difficult to choose. The, the stimulus and response from a very physical sense. In other words, meaning I'm hungry. Do I eat? What do I eat? How do I eat? When do I eat? These are all stimulus and responses. And if I get it right, if I use the animal soul properly, I elevate myself. That means I eat the right foods in the right time, in the right way. I make a bracha before, I bench after, I recognize where it comes from. All of these things are, are again, stimulus and response. And I have a choice how I use it that determines who I am. So that's the first la- layer of the Nefesh Bahami. Nefesh Bahami means simply the appetites, drives, all of the base desires within a human. How do I use it? Do I elevate it? Do I become, does it conquer me or do I conquer it? Do I use it or does it use me? And this is layer one. Okay, so far so good. Okay, now that wasn't enough because to be honest with you, no human being, no neshama would ever still would damage himself and no human being would ever have the real capacity to reach greatness. The next level of complication is what we call midos. There are good midos and bad midos. So for instance, um, being kind is a good midah. Being cruel is a bad midah. Being humble is a good midah. Being arrogant is a bad midah. And every human being is given the challenge to choose the good traits, ignore the bad traits. And by doing so, I shape myself. So for instance, if I choose constantly to be kindly, I become more kindly, I become more patient, I become more soulful. If I choose to be intolerant, if I choose to be cruel, I, again, I shape myself. I'm constantly shaping myself, meaning the I whom speaking to you am inside the body. Within, within me is the Nevesha Bahami. The Nevesha Bahami either controls me or I control it. I'm constantly shaping myself. The next dimension is in terms of midos, in terms of my traits. So I'm either acting humble or arrogant, patient or impatient, um, lazy or or the opposite, but all of these are tools to be used. Now, here too, to make it a even playing field, Hashem had to sort of mix things up a little bit. And this is where life settings come into play. Life settings means that, let's say Hashem wanted to give a person the opportunity to either practice kindliness or cruelty. So Hashem made rich people and Hashem made poor people. The poor person is challenged, the rich person is challenged. The rich person is challenged, will he be kindly? Will he not? The poor person is challenged, will he be misstopping them? Will he be satisfied with his lot? Will he be happy with what he has? The rich person really has a much more difficult challenge because he's challenged with number one, will he be kindly? Number two, will he become arrogant? Number three, will he become sucked up into the materialism and the glitz and the glitter and lose his direction in life? But both people are tested with it. And every life setting that Hashem gave to each person has elements of these challenges in terms of midos. And really, the way to look at it is there are butlers and maids, horse grooms and stable boys, soldiers and generals, gardeners and groundkeepers, and all the roles that we play are irrelevant. The only thing that's relevant is what did I do with my time? How did I play my role? How, what did I accomplish? But again, each situation has many, many diverse challenges in terms of midos. So if I'm a boss, how do I act as a boss? If I'm an employee, how do I act as an employee? If I'm, whatever my role in life is, whatever my life setting is, is a challenge in terms of the midos, in terms of my traits. So again, layer one is Nevesha Mahami, simply animal soul. Number two is in terms of midos. And then there's a third layer. And the third layer of complication is the load that you carry. The load that you carry means you and I could both be horse grooms, butlers, maids, or captains. 
but your role might be very different than mine based on the load that you carry. Um, in plain simple language, we, we use the muscle of a marine, right? I used to run, and I was very proud of the fact that in middle age, I'm going to get there soon to middle age, when I, um, I was running uh, five miles at uh, roughly 30, uh, it was uh, seven minutes a mile, 30, 38 miles, uh, 38, uh, 38 minutes. I was very proud of myself. I read about a Marine who ran, um, ran the same five miles in 58 minutes. Now, obviously, that's an embarrassment, Tim, until you read about the fact that he's carrying a 55-pound pack. Now, if you're running five miles with a 55-pound pack on your back, that is a big deal. And it's a very different load than if you're just running with your running clothes on. Now, the load that you carry comes from many different things. So, for instance, some people have a very good upbringing. Some people have a very rough upbringing. Some people have an emotional equanimity. They're calm. They're patient. They're, they're you know, pretty even killed. Some people are very anxious, very nervous, very... <clears throat> neither chose, I didn't choose to be calm, he didn't choose to be nervous, this one didn't choose OCD, this one didn't choose depression, but a big part of your life setting is the load that you carry. So again, we might both have the same job, we might both be runners, I'm running with nothing on my back, you're running with 55 pounds, obviously our challenge is different. And again, the load that you carry has to do with your upbringing, has to do with your temperament, has to do with... um, many, many different things that you go through that create your load. And again, your job is the butler, maid, horse, groom, stable boy, whatever your life setting is, the load that you carry is a further complication. Now, at the end of the day, it's all fair because all of us are judged by one single standard, and that is the standard of you. I'm not compared to you. You're not compared to him. There's no objective standard. Each of us have different talents, different abilities, and each of us are asked one question, how much of you did you become? So it's all fair, but again, they're vastly different life settings. And this is an important hashkafa to realize for a lot of reasons, not the least is when it comes to judging other people. Um, But we're going to see in a minute that has even a lot more to do with understanding suffering and things that people go through. Okay, so so far we have the Nebuchadnezzar Bahami, the animal so we call the most base layer. The next layer is in terms of midos, which means your your life setting that that challenges you to change your midos, to grow in your midos. And life setting means what is your, some people are highly successful, some people aren't, some people are supposed to be captains of industry, some people are supposed to be workers. People are given high IQs, low IQs, people are given different talents, different abilities. <clears throat> That's your life setting. Your life setting means your role to play. And then layer three of the complication is the um, is the load that you carry. Okay. Now, before you were born, Hashem determined exactly what should be your, your life setting, what should be your load, and what should be your nefesh Bahami. Now, ladies, let me let you in a little secret. You and I and every other human being on the planet have a different life settings, different load, and different nefesh Bahami. It's very interesting, but some people have tremendous appetites and some people don't. Some people have tremendous laziness and some people have lots of energy. Just as your load is different and just as your life setting is different, your Nefesh Bahami is vastly different than anybody else's. It's a very complex mix. And it's the life setting. Part of your life setting. Part of your life setting, but it's your Nefesh Bahami, meaning... Um, but Hashem gave you a Nefesh Bahami to... It's part of your life. Um, when I say life setting, I mean, what are you supposed to be? Are you supposed to be a? Uh, you're supposed to be a captain, a rove. You're supposed to be a. Um... So life setting means your circumstances, rich, poor, what family, right? So yes. Also, what nefesh you want. Well, again, layer one is nefesh abami. Nefesh abami means I have a different animal soul than you do. So I may have a much greater amount of laziness. You may have more uh, appetite. You may have more. And it's within the layer one, the Nefesh Bahami, even if we didn't have life settings, even if we had the exact, we were all the same, Hashem could have given us all the same life settings. We're all supposed to be, uh, you know, learn in yeshiva and, and daven and, uh, you know, be one cookie cut. Well, people believe that there is, <laughs> we're not going to go there. We're not going to discuss, but let's say there was just one cookie cutter mold. Hashem still could have given us each different Nefesh Bahamis. I have 
again, one person has more laziness, another person has more jealousy, another person has more, um, you know, more desire, another person has different, you know what I'm saying? So that's in layer one. And again, just the point is to realize how complex it is. Um, there are some jobs that are better left to, to God. One of them is choosing what Nevesh and Bahami a person needs, what life setting and what load, because it perfectly suits the person. Meaning my, you see, let's start more basic. Each of us are different than shamans. Before we were put into this world, I was different than you, different than her, different than, than anyone else. As my face is different than you, my mind is different than you. When I say my mind is different, um, what that means is not that I, because I learned different things or I, I experienced different things, but because my face, it, you could see my face different than yours. My mind is different. I perceive things differently. I think differently. Some people are very rigid. Some people are very flexible. Some people are very creative. Some people are very, but it's, it's their, their mental, their, their, not just a cognitive processing, but what we would call much more than a shama. They're, they're different. If we were to meet in all of the shamas before we put it into this world, you're vastly different than you, vastly different. They're each very, very different, very distinct. It, you know, it, it's, um, again, let's go back to the, um, to the what it's like without a body. In other words, meaning before you were put into a body, you existed. You, with, you had an agenda, you had a goals, you had aspirations, you had interests. You had a different intellectual existence than, than I did. You know what I'm saying? So that and the Shama was then, Hashem said, I'm going to find for you the perfect setting. Now, the first layer of the setting is the perfect Nefesh Abahami, because you're going to be challenged to use your <clears throat> drives and appetites to control them, to harness them. The second level is, we're going to put you into a life setting with a particular, whether you're going to be rich or poor, whether you're going to have great success or, or the opposite. We call it like an actor on the stage. And the third layer of that is the load that you're going to carry there, meaning it could be both of us were supposed to be owners. You have the fifty-five pound pack. I have no pound pack, or you know, whatever the whatever the muscle is. Now, all of those complications are perfectly suited for you to be the ideal stage setting to allow you to grow. They wouldn't be perfect for me. They wouldn't be perfect for you. Perfectly created to allow you to reach your greatness, and perfectly balanced so that you can choose on all three layers properly, where you're not too challenged, where it's impossible, and you're not too easy. So Hashem designed the three layers to be perfectly suited for each individual, because again, each individual is separate. Okay. Yes. We each have different life settings that are challenged in three ways. How we harness our Nefesh Bahami, how we manifest our Migos, and how we adjust to the weight of our load. Excellent. Well said. Well said. <laughs> okay, now, here's where things get very interesting. <clears throat> what if I tell you that you, I, and probably everybody else could have more than one ideal stage setting? That means <clears throat> Hashem is very good at doing what Hashem does, and it could be that I could have a different Nefesh Bahami, I could have had a different life setting, I could have had a different load, and it still would challenge me to the ideal challenge point. Um, in other words, it could be that I could have been created brilliant or dumb. It's supposed to be very successful or not so successful. Um, I could have been because, you see, the I who I'm speaking to before I was put in, there are a number of different ideal settings that could, um, or I don't want to call them ideal, there are a number of different settings that I could be put into that would challenge me. There would be an even challenge and it would allow me to maximize my potential. On the other hand, it wouldn't be too easy. And therefore, there are many things that go into the choice of what actually you get for your Nefesh Bahami, for your life setting, and then number three, for, for your load. Would that be the part of that the Nishama sees what they're going to be going through when they choose it? And I will ruin the whole shield. I have nothing left to say. It throw the whole punchline away. Yes, yes, 100%. But, but let's go slow. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Anybody on Zoom, you didn't hear that? No. Okay. Um, so, but we'll get there in one minute. But you see, so there could be a number of different settings that would 
again, challenge me. It would be an even balance and yet challenge me to the, to the ultimate. So <clears throat> what determines which one I'm given? So there are a number of things that, that determine that. Number one is something called yichus. So if my father was rich, most likely I'm going to be rich. If my father was poor, most likely I'm going to be poor. If my father was a brilliant Tamachachim, most likely I'm going to have that life setting. And his Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel was Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel. He grew up in a base Tamid Chacham. Like he, he had a very, you know, my father was a fine individual. I'm very proud of my father, but my father was not Rabban Shel My father was a the son of a tailor, grew up in Berlin and didn't, you know, there were no yeshivas in Berlin, um, not in, in those days. So, um, so clearly, I was brought up in a very different environment than Rav Shimon Gamaliel. Um, and so the first thing that determines your ideal life setting is what's known as yichus. That means to say, Hashem finds, in other words, let's assume that parent A and B are going to have a child. Hashem looks at the neshama and says, this is supposed to be the the child that's going to come out from that, meaning most likely it's going to be a person who's wealthy. If the father has a lot of wealth, most likely he's going to be a very intelligent person. Both parents are very intelligent. And if Hashem says, yeah, good, and no, good, I'm not sure, maybe. So the first thing that determines is, is yichus. Um, yichus means where you're coming from, which, which parents you're coming from, which grandparents. Um, now, what does yichus count for? What it counts for is sort of like the, the life setting that you're going to get. Most likely your children are going to be like you in your basic life setting, unless either you did something very unusual or they do something very unusual. So for instance, it could be a fellow who was born to very, very uh, great parents, but he decided to head the wrong way. All bets are off. You know, let's use a very simplistic example. Uh, you know, your father is, uh, who's very wealthy? What's a famous wealthy name now? Um, things change so quickly. And who's really rich? Reichman. Reichman's the people. Right, anyway, Schaefer, that's it. Yeah, okay, we'll take, let's take uh, from the old country, we used to the Rothschild. Oh, we love the name Rothschild. So you're the son of Rothschild. So assuming your father owns most of the banks in, North, uh, in Europe, uh, most likely you're going to be a very, very wealthy fellow a fellow of tremendous influence, tremendous clout, because your father is such, and that's unless you do something out of the realm of what you're supposed to be doing, that is most likely going to be the life setting that you get. Because again, that's, that's now there are times when either the father or the son can do something to mess that up. But generally speaking, that's one of the bonus for why a person is given a particular uh, life setting. Next one is a little bit more complicated. The next one is something called Gilgul. Now, Gilgul, according to, uh, certainly according to the Derech Hashem, is a given. It's uh, it's a little bit of machlokus, but the Derech Hashem assumes that it pushed. That means to say, <clears throat> we've been here before. And the opportunity of Gilgul is to either rectify things I've done wrong or to do that which I didn't do before. So, for instance, let's say last time around, I was a good guy, but I messed up in a given area. I'm given a chance to come back and clean that area up. Or let's say I was a good guy, but I didn't do X that I was supposed to do. I was supposed to learn shas. I was supposed to do tremendous tests, whatever, and I didn't. So I'm given a chance to now do that. Now, Gilgul is often is a difficult concept to understand. It gives a lot of people trouble because what happens in the end? Who am I? Right? Meaning, let's assume that this is, this is the second or third, or maybe fourth. You're the same person. What do you're you mean? The same. You. Okay, but Just but bodies. yeah, but I'm totally different. I don't remember anything from my last Gilgal. I I I don't I I don't. Was it in Europe or Africa? Where was so, I? Where, well, you when you're when you're released. Well, the body died, and Shama remembers everything. So it's like, kind of like another stop on the way. Yeah, um, and really, maybe I'm making it sound more complicated than it is, but I think of it the following. Um, some of us are at a stage, getting close to middle age, where we, um, where I have a little bit of life um, span to look at. 
So I remember clearly being 20 years of age. Uh, and then uh, and then 25, then 30, then 40, and maybe soon 45. So it's a shem. Okay, so, so when you have a span of age that you can look back on, you say, wait a minute, I was once single. I'm not the same guy now that I was then. And then I got married, then I became a father, and then I became a grandfather, 45. And then my, grandfather, my granddaughter had a bas mitzvah. Um, okay, things getting a little shaky over here. Anyway, point being, I'm definitely not the same person I was at 20. And the person I was at 20 is definitely not the same person I was at 30. And the person I was at 30 isn't the same as 40. So, so who am I? So the answer is, I, I... You matured. You're a matured version. But every decision that I made at 20, every action that I engaged in, every conversation that I had, every thought that I had shaped me, molded me, is a part of me for eternity, even though I no longer relate to that, even though I no longer feel the same way, it's a part of me, and it's it's there, and it and it it shapes me, it molds me. Um, now, you do get to hopefully correct things, in other words, meaning, let's say I had a fierce temper at 20, and I worked on it, and I became more, more calm, more, you know, or I was very arrogant, I became more humble, or maybe cruel, I became more calm. So you can definitely shape yourself but that was me, and this is me. And a Gilgal is exactly the same thing. I might have been around 500 years ago, and I did very well in area X, Y, and Z, but I left out area A and B that I totally did not do. What I, so Hashem will allow me a second chance to come back and work on those areas. Now, how do you know, um, if you're a Gilgal, how do you know what you're supposed to work on? Anyone know the answer to this one? You're supposed to work on everything. But how do you, if you came back for what, to work on one thing, how do you know? that you find those challenges. Exactly. Each of us have got one area that's a real, real challenge. Bingo, you got it. That's, that's exactly the area that you're supposed to be working on. Meaning, if it's a, a temper or it's arrogance or it's patience or it's uh, being cheap or if it's jealousy, whatever, each person's got their one big deal weakness area. That is, as we say, good morning, America. That's the area that you're supposed to be focused on working on. That's what you're back here to accomplish. Um, or if you have a, you know, a weakness, a lack of something, you know, uh, that's the area you're supposed to work on. So makes the previous existence shaped us. Then the reason those other things are not as much of a challenge is presumably because they were perfected in some way before. Hopefully, right. Right, right, right. Now, it's not always so simple to know, but you can definitely assume that the area of your weakness is the area to work on, and the other things are not, you know, listen, we all have tariag mitzvahs, we all have to work on all of Amidos and, and et cetera, but that area that is your greatest uh, challenge, that is most likely the area that you'll put back here to work on, to perfect, and to, and to, to really focus on. Um, in every stage of life, you have different things that are challenging, or you might have something that you were challenged in that you kind of overcame, and then all of a sudden you were back. Yeah, yeah, right. Large character traits areas, and was, let's, let's say it's patience, or let's say it's humility, or let's say it's it's anger. It, it's gonna it's gonna flare up. You'll have different causes, different stimulus, different you know throughout stages of life, but it's the same trait, the same. You know, I'm cruel. That's going to surface throughout my life. I'm arrogant. It's going to surface, you know, when I'm in second grade, I'm going to brag about uh, knowing the alphabet. And when I'm in eighth grade, I'm going to, you know, brag about knowing Mishnahis. But it's still the same the same trait. You know, so it's it's working on that trait that it's going to surface throughout your life. Um, if you, you know, if you find, if you find you're perfect um, and you have nothing to work on, you better do some um <laughs> maybe yeah maybe maybe now one of the things that complicates things is that it's never it's not always so easy there there'll be different um different causes uh different different reasons and conflict of causes but let's complicate things a, a little bit further because there's there's another number of layers to this okay so let's say I already got it. Hashem found for me the uh, the perfect body, meaning the perfect nefesh bahami, 
the perfect life setting. I'm supposed to be a butler, maid, or whatever it's supposed to be, and then the perfect load. And again, that might be based on Yichas, might be Gilgal, based on whatever, different things, you know. Okay, so that's it. I'm set. Good to go, right? Not so simple. There are various things that will impact your life setting. So, for instance, let's say a person wakes up at, let's call it 13 for a boy, 12 for a girl, and starts doing all the right things. Starts learning, dominant chesed, works, doing everything right. Sure. So that person, as Derek Hashem explains, is worthy for Hashem to help and make it easier for him to acquire his perfection because he's doing the right things. And the reward immediately for him doing, there's, there's no reward in this world for mitzvahs, but the reward for him doing the right thing is that Hashem will help him more to do the right thing and he'll have an easier time doing it. So there might be one person that Hashem helps, you know, he does what's pretty good, so Hashem helps him a little bit. It might be another person who does really, really does what he's supposed to do and really puts his brain on, on so Hashem will help him even more. And it might be a person where Hashem really helps tremendously. If the person is really growing and accomplishing and he's really doing exactly what he should do, Hashem will make it much, much easier for him to serve Hashem. And therefore, everything throughout his life will be easier. So even if a person would give him, let's say, a life setting of poverty. And poverty is a difficult life setting. But if he did what he was supposed to do, and he grew and accomplished, and he used his time properly, and he was was happy with his lot, it could be that Hashem will make it much easier for him to acquire his olam haba. What does that mean? It means either he'll have an easier time making the little bit that he does make, he won't have as much worries, as much daigas, he won't have as much you know, you could have a lot of money and have a, a, a lot, a lot of worries. You could have a little money and have a lot of worries or the opposite. Um, as you know, there, there are vastly different things that, that can happen. So complicating this issue is the fact that what you do will greatly impact um, your life setting. So again, a person was given a life setting A and then started growing and accomplishing, Hashem might make it much easier for him. On the flip side, if a person at a young, tender age started turning south, Hashem might make it much more difficult for him to do what's right. Another person, Hashem, may make it even more hard. And there are even such things as Rishayim that Hashem will actually uh, not allow them to do tshuva, will totally block them. And a lot of times, a Russia will have tremendous success in this world to distract him, to, you know, everyone loves it when, when a guy, you know, at a young age, starts a business and is financially successful, and he's famous, and he and he, they they make uh, you know dinners in his honor, and everybody loves him. And says, "Wow, what what great things that he did! Um, he must have done." The Chavos says, "When that is happening to you, the first thing you should be doing is asking yourself: Is Hashem paying me back my world to come in this world? Because great success, as in like world-shaking success, is not so simple. Meaning." If you're finding it easy to serve Hashem, if you're finding it easy to learn, to dominate, take care of kids, that's great. If you're finding like world-shaping, like big deal success, like you better very carefully watch why you're getting it. And it could be that you're getting your world to come in this world. It could be Hashem is distracting you or Hashem is paying you back in this world because, again, there are many things that are not so simple to, to understand. All right, we have one more layer. If things are complicated enough yet? Wait, can we go back? Yeah. When you say somebody's making the wrong choices, Hashem makes it more challenging for them to make the right choices. Yep. I'm, I'm kind of stuck. Why? Because it's a payment. In other words, it's there's justice in the world. What does justice mean? Uh, if you do what you're supposed to, Hashem helps you do more of what you're supposed to. If you do what you're not supposed to, Hashem helps you do one of the systems that Hashem created the world with is a um, it's called so in other words it's like you create the patterns of your life and if you do the right thing Hashem helps you to do the right thing you do the wrong thing you're creating you see on a number of levels what you're doing is you're damaging the world you're introducing torment to the world you're 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 you may not realize it fully, but you're making things much more difficult for yourself because you're what you're doing is you're creating very bad um, 
I don't want to, I mean, this, this topic might get a little, um, a little uncomfortable, but, um, right, you know what I'm saying? So once you create the tumor, now the tumor's in your way. It's just you created it. Yep. You've now made it more difficult. And the opposite, if you grow and accomplish and you bring Kedush into the world and you light up the world, that, that power that's there is what helps you and assists you to do more of what you've been doing till then. Um, and in fact, what you could do, uh, again, you could literally put up blockages, you could put up walls. I've seen this many times in yeshiva. I've seen this many times. There are guys who cannot learn. It's crazy. Like everything goes against them. Everything is like bad. And, and there are guys who have an easy time. Guys have a very easy time. Um, now, part of it, what exactly is happening, you need Elion Nozi or Hashem to tell you exactly what's happening. But a part of it could well be that you do the wrong things, then you create these various forces, this tumma, et cetera, that pulls you down. You do the right things, you create Kedusha, and it brings you up, and it makes it easier. Um, but it's it's hard to know, because some of it could be simple life settings, simple load, simple Nefesh Um, I don't know. God is very good at doing what God does. Uh, we human beings are not very good at doing that which God does. We think we can play God, but we, we never get it right. But again, when you see, again, I've seen this many times where a guy is just, he has a very, very hard time doing what he should be doing. Dominating is difficult, and learning is difficult. And, and at a certain point you say, uh, well, I wonder what, you know, why and what. Again, I can't judge, I can't know, but it could well be uh, part of that, uh, what's going on. All right, so far so good? So bad? Good. Okay, one more layer, and then we're done, I hope. Okay, <clears throat> anyone here ever get a headache? Migraines, little arthritis, uh, back pain, uh, muscle ache, broken bone. Um, there are lots of different aches, pains, troubles, worries, sorrows, digas, and stuff that we go through. Here's the question. Gee, golly, why? Why did Hashem, and I don't mean in the big picture, why did Hashem create pain? Why does Hashem bring it to me? <laughs> why does Hashem create pain is a philosophical question. Why am I suffering pain is a much more relevant question to me. Why do I have a stomach ache or a back ache or a broken arm or a leg or gee golly, why? Decent question. But again, let's start with the premise that Hashem loves us more than anything we could ever imagine. And all Hashem wants is for our best. Pain is something that is really just annoying and very, very difficult. Who needs it? Okay. So Derek Hashem explains that there are two purposes of pain. One that's very good, and the other that's just good. The one that's very good is what he calls awakening pain. There's a power of pain to cause sobriety. There's a power of pain to cause a softening. There's a power of pain to make you think differently, feel differently, approach life, life differently. And it's very sad, but often it's, it's unless you go through the pain, you just don't have that perspective. Um, one of the examples I, I like to give, I don't know if you like this one as much as I do. I have a cousin who at the age of 10 became a second mother. Basically, she had three younger siblings and her father died. And this was way back in the day when women didn't work. So when my aunt went to work, she, my cousin at the age of 10, became effectively like the second mother of her three younger siblings. Now, I don't wish it upon anybody to lose your, you know, your, 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 your father at, at that kind of age. But I have to tell you, she was a vastly different human being, a vastly different person because of what she went through. That experience at a young age, having to tend to and take care of others and to be a nurturer and a caregiver, it just made her into a vet, just a much greater person, much better. But just, again, you, you don't wish it on anybody, but, you know, you know, we now enjoy tremendous luxuries and we live in the lap of, of opulence and everything's given to us and everything's easy and it, it looks nice and you want to give your kids everything, but when you give your kids everything, they become spoiled brats and it's very hard for them to, to appreciate anything. It's very hard for them to be anybody. It, it's just a... You ruin them. So suffering, which isn't sweet, which isn't pleasant, has a very, very powerful um, awakening force to it. It has this power to to change your perspective. It has this power to 
allow you to appreciate things. It has a power to soften you. It has a power to... Um, <clears throat> many guys get married and it takes them a long time um, and a lot of tears of their wife till they start acting like nice guys. <laughs> um, why is that? Because it takes a lot of going through and a lot of... It, but you see, there's nothing short of the going through that stuff to soften, to change, to... to... So in, in any case, <clears throat> one reason that Hashem brings pain is this type of pain, that it's um, it's awakening. It, it's a... Either it's a course correction, it tells me, stop doing this because you're going the wrong way, <clears throat> or it's an, an awakening pain that allows me to be more philosophical, or it's a type of pain that softens me, so I'm, a, I'm just a nicer guy. You know, when you're when you're in the hospital, it, it's hard to be a, a nasty brat. You know, when you're when you're dependent on others, it's hard to be arrogant. You know, when you can't get your own, you know, when, when you can't lift a spoon up to your mouth and someone has to help you, it's hard to be a big shot. So it's, again, not pleasant to go through, but one reason why Hashem brings pain is awakening, to allow us to course correct, to allow us to soften, to allow us to be more humble, to bring us to the right place. Okay, the second reason that Hashem brings pain is because it's mechaper, because it cleanses. Pain, <clears throat> this is something I do not understand. Um, I don't, honestly, I don't get it. But there is an element of cleansing that happens to a person when they go through pain. You did X, Y, and Z, you have to go through something. I'll give you an example that I that comes to mind. I had, I had a, um, a Rebbe, and excuse me, he was my excuse me, my eighth grade principal, and I was very close with him after school. Um, during school, he tried his best to get me out of school, so we weren't the best of friends. I mean, I liked him, but apparently he didn't like me. Um, and uh, but afterwards, I became very much enamored with him. His name was Rabbi Chaim Foreman, and he was when I was teaching, he was already he was machanech's machanech. He was a real professional, and he really. He would go from school to school, the, the various tournaments or various organizations brought him in to teach, how to teach. He said it was really a class act, and it was a tremendous, tremendous mechanic. Okay. And I don't remember exactly what age it was. Maybe he was 60. He had been a principal for, for decades, and, and, and a real mensch, and a tremendous, tremendous person. He went to buy a little of an esrog, and he opened the trunk of his car. He put the little of an esrog into the trunk, closed it, and a car came from behind smashed his legs, his legs. If you imagine the car behind the car, his car, he's in the middle, his legs were crushed. Now, I went to visit him in the hospital, and when I went to visit him, he smiled, and, you know, and, and he was, looked like he was happy to see me, and when I left, he didn't realize I was still in the hall. The, sh- the screams that he let out were like, ah, I cannot... I, to this day, this is now 30 years later, I, re- I remember the screams. He went through Gehenom, Gehenom for years, because again, his legs were literally crushed. Now, he we went on after that to be a very successful again, Machanis, Machanik, and he, he contributed tremendously to the Klaishol, but he went through something that I don't wish on anybody. Um, why did he go through it? I cannot tell you. But I can tell you, it's one of the reasons that we mentioned here. Could it have been a life setting? I kind of doubt it. Um, could it have been Nefesh Bahami? It wasn't in Nefesh Bahami. Could it have been his load? Maybe. <clears throat> Much more likely, it's something on top of this. Now, could it be that for whatever reason, he needed that kind of awakening or that kind of cleansing? Maybe <clears throat> it's very likely, that, you know, if you'd ask me, he's a very, very great man. And could have been that he was a tremendous sonic and he had to go through this and he doesn't have to come back again. There was something it maybe, you know, if, again, if I were Elion Novi or, you know, or, you know, higher, I could tell you, I certainly don't know. But you see, when you experience something like that, you know, we're not talking about, a, we're talking about a great man. We're not talking about like a, a, a mediocre person. We're talking about, I knew the man very well. And I'm telling you, he's a great man. Why do you have to go through that? And when you study the Derek Hashem, you get a much better perspective on things aren't so simple. Um, and it could be that he would accomplish tremendous, tremendous things, but there was one area, whatever it might be, that he was weak in, 
or that he needed the kapara in, or he needed awakening in, or, or, I, or I don't know what. But, but the point is, like, when you put the different layers together, you realize that Hashem knows what he's doing, and Hashem meets out different situations, and pain, again, fits into one of those two. It's either the awakening or the cleansing. Um, that's, that's what pain fits into. All right, so let's recap, and then, uh, and then we get to the, the best part. Get there one second. Okay, so let's recap. So Hashem created us to grow and accomplish. Growth and accomplish has to be a challenge. There has to be that even playing field, and all of the growth happens in that time between the stimulus and the response. Like Viktor Frankl said, it's the, that, that gap between the stimulus and response that all of our growth happens in. He hit the nail on the head, meaning who I am for eternity is based on one thing, my choices. Here's the stimulus. Here's the response that's sometimes nanoseconds from stimulus to response that I make a choice. It's choice after choice after choice after choice. And by the way, folks, we make a lot of choices. We make an awful lot of choices. Um, If you count the amount of choices you make from morning till shacharis, um, assuming you don't get up too early, it's going to be in the hundreds. You're going to make hundreds, thousands a day. It's choices after choices. They build you who you become. Now, those choices have a number of layers. The first layer, again, is the Nefesh Bahami. That means to say, all of my animal drives, do I harness them? Do I use them to service him? Or do I allow them to vanquish me, to rule over me? Those are the first areas, the first layer of challenges. Um, the second layer of challenges in my life setting. So I'm, I'm the big rich guy. Do I act humbly or do I act arrogant? Do I act kindly or do I say, I don't care about you, I'm taking care of me? Um, so in my life setting, whatever that may be, is the second layer of the challenges. The third layer is my load. So if my load is I had an abusive father, um, and therefore it's very easy that now I have all this power and all this, this money, is it now easy for me to lord it over everyone and act cruel because that was my, you know, sort of like I had a, a background of that that I'm trying to get back at my father and whatever psychological issues I have. The load is, is level three. Now, again, some of the, what determines exactly what, you know, your, your ideal state setting, there could be a number of factors. One is yichus. The other is, um, if you're a Gilgal, you've been here before, but there are a few potential life settings you could have, and Hashem will find for you the right one based on a number of different factors. Once you're in life, there can be a number of factors that change things. If you do what's right, it becomes easier to do what's right. You do what's wrong, it becomes easier to do what's wrong. Um, and that's something that, that it's very important to be aware of if you're ever facing a challenge. You know, we all have those sort of like big deal moments where we, this single decision will make a huge difference the rest of my life. It's very important to be aware of once you start a, once you start down the treadmill, it's, it's very hard to stop. But in any case, those are those, are those uh, choices that make a big deal. Um, on top of everything, we have the situation of pain. Pain will, in other words, meaning there will be times when Hashem will change my life setting and introduce tremendous amount of pain, either as a awakening or as a kapara to clean up. But at the end of the day, that, that fits my life setting. So there are a few sort of takeaways from this. <clears throat> Number one, Hashem knows what He's doing, and I don't. Um, and what that means is when you look at other people, and, and believe me, there are people who have it very, very hard. Uh, I was telling my wife, there's a woman who I've been speaking to her husband lately. She's been sick for 18 years. Flu-like symptoms. She can't get out of bed. Flu, like literally sick for 18 years and nothing helps. Every doctor in the world, they try it. Nothing helps. Why does she need that? What? So, again, I don't know why, but within these layers, you get... You get the structure of the answer. You understand pain, you understand life settings, you understand things in a much greater sense. You understand that Hashem gave us exactly the life setting I need, and it's not relevant. In other words, meaning if we if we ever got this, I wouldn't look at other people's lives and say, why can't I have their life? I'd be very comfortable in my life. I'd be a lot more settled. It, it, it changes your whole perspective on, on everything. Okay, now we get to the punchline. The famous Rebbein Mukhai that I've said many times, I have to say it again. Kulam nivru Ben Machai quotes, he says as follows, before Hashem created everything in creation, but everything in creation means not just us human beings, 
every tree, every plant, every rock, every, everything that has a spiritual counterpart, Hashem showed them what they're going to be in this world, what role they're going to play, how they fit into creation, and Hashem gave them a choice. And all of them, Bechefsum Ritzonim, willingly and in their will, and but here's a lot from Ben Ochai quotes the name of the Chazal called Rotsu Kiblu. Every person said, Yes, that's perfect. That's exactly life setting. I want that Nevisha Bahami. And I want that exact life setting and that load and that pain when I'm 50. And I want my back to go out at 60. And I want to have that kid who's going to have this problem because it's perfect. That exactly fits what I need based on my personality, based on who I am. That's the perfect state setting. I call Rutsu the Kiblu. Every single human being and everything in creation said, Yes, Hashem, that's perfect. I want it. The trick in life is to live life with that understanding, to come back to that and say, Hashem, I get it. You picked the perfect life for me, the perfect body, the perfect life setting, the perfect load, the perfect events that before me, Hashem, I get it. You're masterful. You are incredible. You chose the perfect life for me. Thank you. When you do that, you understand life in a vastly different way and you, uh, and you live a very, very different life. May this be a Eli Neshama to my mother, Shinanecha Bas Shalom. And may we, on some level, put this into practice. Now, questions, thoughts, observations. We'll open to the Zoom people as well. But people here get first precedence. Yes, question. I saw the question coming. I saw it coming. Please feel free. You can type in questions if you have. This analysis of other people's pain. Yeah. I, I feel sounds a little, sound presumptuous. I can say about myself that my pain is to lead to growth, or my pain is macabre. I have a hard time when people say that about other people's misfortune. Right, so I can't say why you get pain, I can't say why I get pain. Derek Hashem is giving us the reasons why Hashem will give pain. Now, I don't know why, let's say this, Rabbi Foreman has said, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue, I don't claim to know. I do know that it's within one of these layers that that event befell him. And I don't claim to know either why or why he, he should get that. Um, but it's helpful to understand that pain has two elements to it, either awakening or the, the, the kapara, the cleansing. Um, we're not supposed to, I can't judge me. I'm surely not supposed to judge anyone else. Um, and certainly it doesn't mean when I see somebody in pain, <laughs> you deserve it, buddy. You should, you should get even worse than that. You're lucky Hashem is Rahmanasan. You should get 10 times that pain. Obviously, that's not our job. Um, so I, I don't mean that, that we should in any sense judge someone else. But it's important to be able to sit back in life and understand why does Hashem, why does Hashem create pain? Why does Hashem introduce pain into people's lives? Now, and again, even if I don't know the exact why, I, I have the basic parameters. You know? It serves a purpose. It serves a purpose, whether that be, again, either awakening or cleansing uh, or part of the life setting. It serves a very important good purpose. And that person before he was in this world saw that pain and said, yes, I want it. It's good for me. Um, now, you're right. I mean, listen, the difference between my pain and your pain is for my pain, I'm supposed to say, Baruch Hashem, thank you, Hashem. For your pain, I'm supposed to say, Oy vey. Because that, that's, you know, the difference between my pain and yours in terms of the approach. So I don't, I don't think in any sense mean we're supposed to look at other people and be callous and say, it's good for you. You need it here. Let me give you, let me take away the aspirin. I don't I want you to have more, you know, someone just told me that. Oh, oh my goodness. Someone just told me that his wife decided she doesn't want epidural because Chava, why do we have pain? Because Chava, obviously pain is machaper. And as long as I don't need the medicine, I, I want to try it without. And she went through her first labor without an epidural because... She, <laughs> I, uh, I was going to introduce her to my wife who would tell her, you take the epidural, stop it, but whatever. But um, yeah, again, my, my job to someone else's pain is to feel their pain. And my job for my pain is to, to say, Hashem, I get it. But we're, we're talking here in a much more broad philosophical perspective, not judging individuals and not looking at individuals, but to understand why would Hashem 
introduce pain in the world? Why would Hashem introduce pain? Uh, and again, to, especially when you're dealing with very good people and maybe even great people, um, and you, we all know people who really who are good or maybe even great people, and they have pain. My Rebbe Rishivazetzal had a lot of, he was sick for many years, many years. He had tremendous headaches, tremendous headaches. He often couldn't learn. There was one year, a year of his life, he could not learn. He learned Medrash. He was a bucket of Medrash because he couldn't learn. So he just <clears throat> learned Medrash during that year. He, he just learned, learned through all the Medrashim. So now he was a great tzaddik. I, I know him very well, I, you know, as much as a, as a Talmud could. Why, why do you need that? Why? So <clears throat> when you understand that Hashem introduces pain for different reasons, again, I may not know the exact reason. Certainly for you, I'm, I'm not, not going to judge, but I think, it, it, I think it's helpful to understand perspective why. Um, okay, here's a question. Thank you for eye-opening. Shurim makes life so meaningful. Rabbi mentioned that B'derach Shadam Leilach Malichna, so I find the opposite is true, okay? Whenever I try to work an area in my life, Hashem somehow tests me harder in that area. Like Lamashal, I tried letting go of some relationships in my life that aren't okay, fully committed, and I tell Hashem I'm doing this for you, and I know it's the way it should be, but it's hard. It's hard. I feel like every time I try to let go, Hashem makes my life hard in a way that makes me want to jab, jump back into it. Okay, listen, you know, again, Hashem gives us various life tests, and one of them may be either other people who are negative, uh, relationships, or whatever it may be, and not every life test is over in a minute. In other words, um, a life test often takes a lifetime. Sometimes it takes a week, sometimes years, depends um, and not always, you know, the Akeda, Akeda Shitsuk lasted one moment, meaning Avram Avino was really three days, but it was done. For most of us, our Akedas are a lot longer than that, and many of us have challenges that last for years and years and years. Some of it could be life tests, <clears throat> some of it could be part of a life setting, some of it could be simple Nishonas. And, uh, <clears throat> but this concept, Derashon Rotsalelech also means in general, big terms. In other words, if I'm trying to serve Hashem, I'm trying to daven, I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to do chesed, I'm trying to work on my midos, Hashem helps me. Now, if I have a given test in a particular area, that doesn't mean just because I'm trying in that area, the test goes away. So let's say my, my weakness is anger. So I'll work on it. doesn't mean all of a sudden I work on it for a day and it's gone. Oh, finished. I, I tried Hashem. Why do you, you're going to be challenged and it may be maybe a lot of challenges in it and it may, you know, and it may take an awful long time, especially if it's a midah, for it to go away. Uh, and again, in what you're discussing, it's specifically a relationship that may be an assignment for you to let it go, period. Um, okay, let me deal. So does that answer the question? If it doesn't, let me know. Um, one more question. Um, BTs are often going against a yichus, correct. Um, Bali Tshuva are going against a yichus. So first of all, an important thing to remember is that we all have yichas of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, David, Shlomo, Sarah, Rizka, Rachaleya. We, we all got lots of good yichas. Uh, my grandfather was a Machal uh, Shabbos. My grandfather ate treif. My grandfather gave my father a tremendously difficult time in the DP camps when my father wanted to eat kosher. My father's 15 or 16. Um, it wasn't DP camps. It was not DP it was uh, the camps in, in, in England. They were in camps for a while when they were, they didn't trust the German uh, influence. So they were in camps. So, um, and my father um, would only kosher. My grandfather gave him a very tough time, made fun of him. So, um, what kind of yichas? So, uh, yichas sometimes skips generations, you know, and you have to assume. But we all go back to Abram Yitzhak Yaakov, you know, and and even a ger has yichas because you come on the confe of Avram Avinu. So I, I wouldn't worry about it per se. This is, again, speaking about life settings, um, which, you know, again, is a little bit different. All right. I think we're going to stop here. And uh, please feel free. If I didn't answer a question, please, uh, you can send an email to rebbe at shrews.com. If you haven't gotten a chance yet to get the 10 really dumb mistakes that very smart couples make, Baruch the book is very successful. How successful you want to know? Do you know how successful? Wasserman, Wasserman is selling it inside the store. If you're in Kugan Hills, wait a minute. If you're in Kugan Hills next Thursday night, next Thursday during the day, 
you can come to the store and get a free cholent because Rabbi Shiva is going to be there from one to five. <laughs> and anyone who comes to the store gets free cholent, even if you don't buy the book, but buy the book anyway. But if you buy it online, com, you also get the ebook, audiobook, and the marriage transformation book. Yeah, Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. see that. Okay. Very good. Have a good week.